When I was in high school, I got called into the counselor's office, the guidance counselor. Have you ever been in the kind of situation where you just have no clue what's going on, but somehow you know that that situation is about to shift the rest of your life in one way or another like you have this sense that this thing that's about to happen is going to become a pivotal moment that you will retell time and time again and that will become an anchor for a lot of the things that you have to do or work through later on in your life well that was the sense i got as i walked towards the guidance counselor's office to give you a little bit of context i was always a straight a student who never got in trouble. And I don't say that to sound like I'm bragging or anything like that. There were these values that my parents and my family instilled on in me that led me to work hard at whatever I did. And that caused me to be a rule follower no matter where I was. To this day, that pretty much defines me. I'm pretty much a rule follower in a lot of things. My entrepreneurial journey, I guess, is the one thing where I deviate from the norm most. But for the most part, I follow the rules. I do what I'm supposed to do. So getting called into the office, regardless of who was calling me, was in itself something that just felt so foreign and so incredibly terrifying that I just didn't know what to do with the situation. Plus, there was this just sense of foreboding in the air as I walked towards the office. Now, mind you, I didn't go to a huge high school, so walking from the classroom where I was at to the guidance uh, counselor's office couldn't have taken more than two or three minutes, but they felt like an eternity. Then I get there and they make me wait, the nerve. So I'm sitting there imagining all these scenarios, but never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined what was about to happen. So I walk into the guidance counselor's office and as I step in before I even have both feet in the door, she just looks at me and says with the most terrifying tone of disgust, who do you think you are? I was flabbergasted. I stopped dead on my tracks. I could not move. I could not think. I had no idea if this lady knew who she was talking to. I mean, here I was, straight A student who always followed the rules, and she was talking to me and looking at me like I had just committed some terrible sin, like I was the most disgusting and the most repulsive person she had ever seen in her life. So I just stared at her, and she looks at me and repeats the question. Now answer me, who do you think you are? And I said, excuse me? She proceeds to go into this rant about how I project myself, or I projected myself, in a way that appeared arrogant, like I thought I was better than everybody else. I did not know what to say. I just sat there, almost as if I was having an out-of-body experience looking at myself, listening to this lady saying these things that I never thought about myself. In fact, for the most part, throughout my middle school and high school years, if anything, I thought that everybody else was better than me. 
and she was accusing me of being arrogant and haughty and of acting like I was better than everybody else. And then she proceeded to name the ways in which I did this, and all of them had to do, in one way or another, with the way I talked, with the way I answered questions, with the way I used my voice. So as a teenager, my immediate response was to stop talking. Now, last week, we talked about why your voice is important, why it is important for you to use your voice and the power that your voice holds. But today I want to share with you some of the things I learned as I struggled to rise out of the consequences of that one conversation. And I would love for us to walk out of this conversation with some ideas on how to unleash the power that is in your voice. Communication. Its effective use is the key to success in business, relationships, and life. Yet, we're never taught to use communication in a way that is effective, productive, and positive. The result? Interactions that lead to overwhelm, stress, discontent, lack of motivation, poor relationships, and the feeling of not being fully heard. We're engaged in a permanent tug-of-war, not the true flow of proper communication. Is there a way to fix this? Can the way we communicate truly be the key to achieving balance and success in all aspects of our life? Join me, Marcy Amaro, as we explore the answers to these and other communication, influence, connection, and success questions here on Sincerely Speaking. Probably not surprisingly, after that conversation with the guidance counselor, I took a self-imposed vow of silence. I only spoke when spoken to, and even then, only what was necessary. Even in my house, even around my parents, my siblings, I only said the things that were essential to say. But something else started happening as I silenced my voice. I fell into what can only be, be called a permanent state of despair. And I know it sounds traumatic and dramatic, and it kind of was, but I had this sense of what am I here for then? Why does it matter if I'm here or not? What am I supposed to do from this moment on? And maybe at some point in your life, you have experienced something that has made you feel that way. I used to walk around the house sighing and just going, oh God. And literally, that was the most you heard come out of me on any given day. If they asked me a question, I would give the shortest, most direct answer. If I had to speak out for whatever reason, I tried to make it as direct and to the point and succinct as I could. And I went for years trying to avoid hearing my own voice, trying to avoid saying the things that at times I knew needed to be said, trying to avoid being the center of attention in any way, shape or form, and trying not to let my voice stand out from anybody else's. Needless to say, as I started a career as an educator and as I moved into the world of entrepreneurship, I started to realize what a disservice that was for me and for those around me. How much that one conversation had harmed me, how much it had hurt my possibility 
of impacting others positively, of using my voice in a way that would empower others and that would ultimately be of help for those around me. So as I started realizing and really becoming aware of all the different ways in which my silenced voice was hurting me and others, I started to think and research and look for ways in which I could liberate my own voice, ways in which I could finally find that balance between saying what needed to be said and using my voice in a powerful, effective, productive, impactful way, and going overboard with things that were unnecessary or extraneous. I also started to look for ways in which I could balance showing what I knew or sharing what I knew and not looking or sounding arrogant or like a know-it-all, right? So I started looking for all these balances or all these checks that I could use and all these things that would move me in the right direction of using my voice with power and with authority without diving into feeling like I was trying to sound more than I was or trying to outsmart or outwit or outspeak other people. And I want to share with you today six things, six key things that I learned throughout this process that to this day serve me as guidelines and tools to figure out when I should speak, why I should speak, and how to use my voice in a way that leads to power and not to low level or low energy emotions or interactions. So if you're ready, the first one is you need to start with your values. You need to start with your values. We've talked about this in other episodes, but just very briefly, your values are those key systems or beliefs that drive your decision-making and that help you establish priorities in your life. So the things that align with your values are the things that feel enriching, that feel right, that feel aligned, that feel like you should pursue them. The things that go against your values somehow always leave you with this feeling of uneasiness, this sense of almost ickiness of being dirty almost like you're doing something that is outside of where you should be or who you are so your values are those systems and those beliefs that drive you that help you figure out what is right and what is wrong that make your decision making seamless because either the thing that you're doing aligns with your values and then it's a go or it goes against your values and then it's a no So if you start unleashing the power of your voice by filtering your voice through your values, then you can rest assured that whatever comes out of your mouth is going to be what needs to come out and not necessarily what instinctively or reaction in a way that it's just a reaction, right? Um, Response to the environment in a way that is not supportive to yourself or to others. So if you're in a situation where you are questioning whether you should speak or not, start by figuring out what the intent of speaking would be. What is the end result? To what end are you going to open your mouth? And then check that against your values and figure out 
Does this serve my values? Does this, does this align with who I am and what I want to be known for? If the answer is yes, then open your mouth. Because that means that somebody needs to hear where you stand. Somebody needs to hear what your value system comes up with. And it might be different from the other person's, and we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But if it aligns with your values and it fills you with this sense of necessity and drive, then yes, go ahead and open your mouth. You need to say what is in your heart and what is in your mind. However, if it doesn't align with your values, and as you check your intention and the end result that you're looking for against your values, what you feel is the sense of being almost dirty, of ickiness, of uneasiness in an extreme way, right? Because there's always uneasiness when you are going to enter into an interaction, um, a certain level of uneasiness. But if it goes to the extreme, if it's something where you just no, there's something that is not right, then maybe stop and do a deeper evaluation on why that feels that way and how it checks against your values. So the first step on unleashing the power of your voice is being clear on your values and making sure that whatever you're going to say genuinely and effectively represents who you are and what you stand for. The second thing is return to your first love. We all have this thing that we loved doing and learning about and thinking about and playing around when we were little. And as we grew, we kind of stepped aside from it. Some of us buried it. Some of us even forgot about it. But if you can take a minute or two to go back to your formative years, to think about your earliest memories and maybe up until the point when you started elementary school. And think about what were those things or what was that thing that really drove you, that drove your playtime, that made you feel alive, that you would dream about doing. That will point you to a passion that you have long forgotten. And it is time to unleash. It is time to go back and reclaim that passion that you were born with. Because there's a reason why that passion was instilled in you at such a young age. And if you examine why you let it go, when was that moment when you suddenly decided, no, it's not worth talking about or it's not worth dreaming about anymore? Then you can combine the two and talk in favor of those who are still dreaming about that passion. Maybe rekindle it in yourself and find ways to use that as a vehicle or as an intention behind unleashing and opening your mouth and liberating your voice. So the first one was to start with your values. The second one, return to your first love. The third one kind of goes in the opposite direction and it's become aware of your triggers. So what are the things that really trigger you, that generate visceral emotions in you, that can cause you to attack or to retreat, that can take you to a state where you almost feel like you're going to lose control? or that take you to a state where you completely block the things that are going on around you. 
The reason it's important to pay attention to those triggers or be aware of those triggers is because they will give you one of two things. They will either give you an area or understanding of an area that is so opposite to the way you would like the world to be that it might be that cause that you need to stand up against. So if it's something that completely disgusts you, if it's something that causes you to want to literally throw up, if it's something that when you see it, there's all you can do not to throw punches, then maybe examine what is at the core of it and what is something that you can use your voice to speak against. What is something that you can start doing, using your voice, using your message to help stop that or lessen that for yourself and for future generations? Now, the other thing that your triggers can do is help you identify the things that silence you, the things that don't allow you to speak up. And at that point, the advice the recommendation is to take a minute to journal or evaluate it in some way. I like journaling things because then I can go back and look at them. I can just let my pen go without judgment and without editing. And then once it's done, I can go back and reread it. And then I find things that I wasn't even aware of as I was writing. So if you just think things through or if you just speak them, you might miss some things. So either journal it or record it. Put it in a way that you can go back and look at it. But if you can identify, okay, wait a minute, this thing just happened and it triggered me to clam up, to stop talking, to shut up, maybe even to leave. Maybe it made you emotional to the point where you couldn't speak because you knew you were going to cry or scream. Maybe you just felt this burning. Have you ever felt that? Like where your stomach and your chest start burning and you just can't let it out and stop and think what was it that just happened and why did it make me feel that way maybe you will uncover or uh, release a memory that you had suppressed maybe you will start seeing patterns in your life that have led you to act a certain way and that have led you to refrain yourself from speaking truths that you needed to speak. Maybe you will find a belief that you have been harboring that is stopping you from stepping out and stepping up. And once you can identify those things, you can then start finding evidence against them or evidence as to why those things cannot be as powerful as the message you have to bring or maybe start looking for ways in which you can preemptively prepare yourself to ward off those triggers or cues that you can use so that when you feel that trigger come up, you can snap yourself out of whatever reaction it is that they cause. So being aware of those triggers is really important in those two ways. Now, the fourth way goes back to what I mentioned briefly when I was talking about values. You have to lean into the polarity. Lean into the polarity. What do I mean by that? Very often, we silenced our voices because we're afraid of offending. 
Very often we silence our voices because we just want to have everybody be in peace, have everything be calm. We don't want to be polarizing. We don't want to cause people to dislike us. And it's not a nice feeling to be disliked. However, if you lean into the polarity, if instead of fighting the fact that some people are going to like what you say and some people are going to hate what you say, so instead of fighting that, you say, okay, you know what? The people that love what I say, those are my people. Those are the people that I need to rally on my side, that I need to garnish support from. Those are the people that I need to speak into. The ones that get offended, the ones that hate me, the, one that's, the ones that start just trying to badmouth me and bring shame to me, those are the ones that I need to let go of. Those are the ones that I need to be okay with them removing themselves from my world and my life. And I need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with that. Because we know that there are people out there that we don't agree with. We know that there are people out there that rub us the wrong, that rub us the wrong way, that make us feel angry for no apparent reason, that just, in, just inspire all of these less than positive or less than empowering emotions in us. And we know that those people we need to stay away from, right? So give other people the opportunity to decide whether they need to rally for you or against you. And that's their right. And not only that, it will help you be so clear on who is part of your tribe and who isn't. Who are the people that you need to be ministering to or serving to or helping in whatever way? And who are the ones that you need to just send off with your blessing. So lean into that polarity instead of trying to avoid it. In my case, for example, I speak a lot about God because God is the center of my life. That is going to make some of you like me and it's going to make a lot of other people dislike me. And that's fine because at the end of the day, I only want to be with, work with, and spend my energy on those people that believe similar things to what I believe, those people that are a pleasure to work with because we have things in common, everybody else, they can find somebody else to serve them that aligns better with their values. Yes? Now, the fifth thing is riff and then riff again. What do I mean by that? When we're trying to unleash our voices, at first, we are not going to be 100% clear on the message. And that's okay. Because one of the things that we fail to realize is that at first, when we first start opening up our mouths and letting our messages be heard and trying to garnish or gather this audience that is going to benefit from what we have to say, there are going to be very few ears listening. And that is a good thing. Because our, at first, our message is not going to be fully refined and clear. At first, our message is going to be rehearsed, is going to be sloppy. It's going to make us anxious and nervous. And that is going to show in the tone and timbre of our voice. It's going to be forced and it's going to feel unnatural at first. But the more you riff, right, the more you repeat it, the more you go off and just talk about this thing that you're passionate about, that you need to let out of you, that you know is part of why you are on this planet, 
the more you riff on it, the more you talk about it, the clearer it is going to become, the more word is going to spread, and the more ears are going to reach your message. So figure out what that main message is or what that main topic is and use every opportunity available to you to speak about it. It could be a minute, could be 30 seconds, it could be 10 minutes, half an hour, three hours, whatever space you're given. But every opportunity you have to just go off on that topic, let yourself go off on the topic and just riff, riff, riff and riff again. And then finally, the last piece to unleashing your voice is to decide. Now decide is related in its origin to the word incise or make an incision. So when you make a decision, you're cutting off all other possibilities in favor of one. And very often, when we have to make a decision, the reason why decisions are so hard is because they give us FOMO, right? It's like, okay, but wait, if I choose this one thing, then that means I'm missing out or letting go of all these other things. And yes, you are. But what that decision does also is it allows you to hone in and fully refine and fine-tune what your message is and how it should be delivered. So as you riff and as you practice, make decisions. Make clear decisions. This is my topic. This is the message that I'm going to deliver related to that topic. And this is the progression in which I am going to share this message about this topic. And don't stress too much about it. Like I said at the beginning, it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be um, accidented and it's going to be imperfect. And that's fine. I mean, it's never going to be fully perfect. Just continue to practice. At first, nobody's really listening anyway. So use that opportunity to refine and to perfect and to get it to where you want it or where you feel comfortable with it. But make decisions along the way. Don't allow yourself to be stuck in the analysis paralysis of trying to have everything worked out before you start talking. And also decide to start. Decide to start. It's frightening to put yourself out there. It's scary to know that, like we said, there's going to be polarity involved. There's going to be people that are going to badmouth you. There's going to be people who are going to hate you. There's going to be people who are not going to understand you. And it's scary to know these things. But ultimately, it's not so much about you. It is more about the people that need to hear the message that has been laid in your heart. It's about the people that you will impact. It's about the difference that you will make. So decide to start today. Just decide. I want to sincerely thank you for spending this time with me today. I know you have a million things you could be doing, so I appreciate you tuning in. If you have found value in this conversation, please share it with others. And as a thank you, I'd like to invite you to download a free copy of my Tough Talks checklist, which will walk you through how to transform even the most difficult conversations into tools for connection, respect, and collaboration. Simply visit marciamaro.com for details. Until next time, I'm Marcia Amaro, and this has been Sincerely Speaking.